What's happening, folks? It's Yannick Guzdala. It's the Yannick Guzdala podcast. And today, I'm going to be breaking down my warm-up routine. I've been getting a bunch of questions about, hey, what exactly is that little thing exactly the way I opened just now? What are these little fragments, these little ideas um, that I guess... I play from time to time in videos and I make little examples of things, but I never really break down um, what it is I do as soon as I pick up the instrument. I talk about practice. I talk about, hey, if I only have 20 minutes, then that kind of needs to be maintenance. But what really is maintenance and what can you uh, also like what, what what of these things that I use? Can you populate your practice routine with kind of regardless of what kind of music you play? You don't have to be kind of a jazz musician like me, or you'd be a studio guy, girl, you could be a rock, pop. It really doesn't matter. Um, if you want to have more, I guess the ultimate goal here is more confidence and more consistency, more stamina potentially with the fundamentals, with the foundation of the instrument. If you want any of those things, you can totally employ a few of these really simple, quite often just diatonic uh, ideas, shapes, patterns, uh, and, and add them to your practice routine. And they don't have to take long at all. Um, this can be a five minute thing. It can be a 20 minute thing. Some of these things I'll spend four hours on just one of them. Never mind putting five, 10, 15, 20 of them into a, into a session. Um, what you heard me playing right at the top of the episode. So that right there, that's a, that's something from the Hannon, the virtuoso pianist, uh, it's a piano, uh, basic kind of fundamental technique book, real classic amongst classical piano players. And that I got from there, this descending four note cell element of it. So we create these shapes out of a major scale, just in F major here. And then I add things to it. I like to close out the let's say, the mechanical element of it with something musical. So maybe I want to play something that's two different uh, sounds, two different sounds, two different harmony. Um, so major and diminished being used basically as a five. Uh, I said of, of some episodes ago that I would always repeat the good information, something I got from Andrew Huberman, who's like, keeps repeating very similar things about the fundamentals of, I mean, he's in sports, uh, uh, fitness and science and health and nutrition, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'd like to keep doing that with the bass because I think these fundamentals, these basics get forgotten very quickly. And there's that, you know, if, you, if you're listening and you're like, what do you mean? diminished but used as a five chord i, I want to repeat that that's when you go to the we're in f here for instance so f major is our one is our tonic and the five chord is c is our five chord which resolves very nicely of course to the one so but you can use a diminished arpeggio over that five chord to get to your one. And you can use that diminished arpeggio. If you think of it in terms of, the, if we analyze it in terms of the five chord, which is C, you can think of it starting from the flat nine, the flat seven, the five, 
or the major third. There are only four notes and then it repeats down the octave. And when you have a five chord, let's just sustain that there. You hear how that works? <laughs> Still not used to the uh, upper register of this instrument yet, which is bad because uh, as much as this is coming out halfway through the Steve Smith tour, Vital Information tour, I'm actually recording these beforehand, so I don't have to take all my gear on the road. I'm trying to give myself the uh, trying to give myself a tour where I actually just do the tour. It was amazing on the West Coast tour to sit down with with um, Jack Rome from Noble and get that interview. It was great to sit down with Steve on the last night of the tour in Phoenix and get that interview. But this time, I'm just I want to concentrate on the music and I want to kind of front load everything ahead of time. So this is like the night. This has actually been recorded the night before. I leave, and uh, I really should be familiar with this instrument again. So, the concept of using a diminished, I've got a five chord. And of course, it gives you a very specific five chord. You know, like it's not an altered chord because there's a natural five in there. There are all these kind of things that we can identify in terms of what the sound is. To me, it's just so much more important to play it over and over again and get a feel for, okay, here are the notes. I don't have to think about the fact that it's diminished. I don't have to think that it starts flat nine, flat seven, five, or the major third. Those are all correct. Those are all accurate uh, analyses of the harmony and of the melody. But I think it's really important to play it over and over and over and over again. So it's second nature. It's in your muscle memory and to the point where your ear starts picking it out in things you hear. Maybe that's a comping from a piano player or a guitar player. Or maybe that's something on a recording that you're trying to learn. You're like, oh, I know what that is. That sound that, you know, weeks ago that sounded really weird and I had no concept of what what that might be but now i know that's just oh shit that's just there's only one note after all that's outside of the diatonic harmony of the five chord and that's the that's the flat nine everything else is inside everything else is inside the arpeggio um, we've got the major third the fifth and the flat seven all kind of natural diatonic elements of c7 or of a dominant chord the only chord the only note that steps outside is that flat nine. I, I love that flavor as well. Anyway, it gives you... gives you this really specific five-sound dominant chord going to one. So again, I'm going to repeat these things throughout the podcast when I talk about harmony, when I talk about melody, because I think they're important to remember. And of course, if you haven't been listening to this podcast for a while, I want to catch everyone up and give everyone a chance to, to explore these ideas and that's what i'm doing on the end of this end of this exercise so the had an idea i'm going to kind of motor through it for the sake of time and then we get to this arpeggio uh root position major arpeggio and then up a half step once i get to the five to get that diminished so five going to one and i'm always trying to put a nice little musical button on the end of it so it's not just mechanical the same harmony the same thing over and over and over again i like to have variation and as you heard me play at the very top i went much further than that I think I went into the two chord 
and on and on and on. And it gets to the point where I can just, you know, make up etudes based on all of that very simple diatonic information and just moving from key to key, uh, which brings up a great point of you've got to do this in all 12 keys. If you really want to be fluent and, you know, never ever be second guessing yourself and have that sort of ultimate confidence level, got to be fluent in all 12 keys. So go cycle of fourths here and go up to um, up to B flat from F um, and then uh, we go from B flat we go to E flat um, and it starts for me it starts on the fifth each time whoops I'm kind of I'm kind of motoring through it for the sake of the video for the sake of your time better that you get this information quickly the the the, the essence of the information and then go spend that time working on it yourself rather than being here for three or four hours listening to me drone on about the same thing um, a good variation on that if we've been coming down major so far is to come down minor so you literally only change one note and you come down melodic minor that. again I'm putting this little sort of more musical phrase more melodic phrase on the end of the exercise so to speak um, and it, again it's around it's kind of around diminished and then having that arpeggio that, that rolls up the two octaves again important actually when you finish when you go in the cycle of fourths and you finish that double arpeggio that two octave arpeggio that's actually your starting note for the next key of fourth away <coughs> oh it's a big stretch down big stretch down there again you don't have to put that exact musical idea on the end of come up with your own i'm constantly changing them as well that will sit there for a couple of months and then i'll get bored with that and think okay time for a new one i'll also employ a little discipline as well and um and use the metronome um especially when it's been a minute and i know and i really know i need the discipline um i don't know how much you're going to hear this because it's not going to be that close to the mic but here's the let's see and See how you can't hide? You see how there's so much more space between the notes and you're really exposed. So that lower tempo discipline with the metronome, kind of a big key uh, to the success of a kind of of any practice routine, um, of any practice routine where I'm really making progress. 
I think the, the metronome is a, is a huge key. And there are arguments for and against. I don't think the metronome is the most musical thing in the world, but it does provide a little bit of discipline, which even at, after 30 years of playing the instrument, I still need that big time. I'll be the first to admit it. I'm like, okay, as soon, you can rewind and as, uh, to what I just did with the metronome. The first few notes, even though the metronome had been playing for a couple of seconds and I was starting to internalize the, that new tempo, 60 BPM, the first few notes were rushed. They were pushed. I was not settled into that 60 BPM at all because I was kind of had in my brain what I'd been doing before, which was significantly uh, faster. So it really is important to be able to slot into the right tempo right from the get-go, from the first note, not the third note, the tenth note, the fourth bar, but right from the beginning. I think that's what really, when I listen to great players, you know, especially when it's under the microscope, studio players, I've been listening to Kenny Aronoff's new um, podcast and he interviews people like Lee Sklar and a great studio musician. I've been listening to Lee Sklar's YouTube channel since he started that during the pandemic and just the time you know, on record of all those albums that he's played on and songs. It's just amazing how great it is from start to finish. There's no easing into it with those players. So I try and employ as much of that as I can in my practice routine. And just the the intent with which I pick up the instrument, always listen first, play second. That's always the, the mantra. Got that one from Hal Crook. He was talking about improvising and reacting to the ensemble around you, but listen first, play second is a, is a big one. Um... Now, with all of those in mind, let's just run down a few more of the things that populate my routine. By the way, sitting above me here on the, uh, or next to me rather, on the shelf, all my books, a lot of this stuff is in the books. It's not the, the entire practice routine or warm-up thing. Of course, there is the bass player's warm-up. That's Everything is available below, linked below the video. Um, it's at yannickwasdala.com in the store. Yes, the bass player's warm-up is a specific warm-up. In fact... I'm going to use one of those next because I really do use a bunch of those. It's a specific warm-up book and it's really... There are some great ones in there and especially at the, this one I use if I really don't have that much time because not only am I getting kind of the two-octave arpeggio, the two-octave range here quite quickly and efficiently, I'm also getting... It really is. It really feels like combining linear ideas with sort of arpeggiated things, narrow and wider intervals in the same exercise. And what this is is chromatic approach notes from below as I ascend, and from above as I descend, a two octave major arpeggio. So here we are in C. That's the that's the outline of the shape we're doing, and. I take the note below each chord tone. So C, D sharp, E, F sharp, G, B, C, and then up the octave. And then from above as I descend. So D flat, C, A flat, A, F, E. And the same thing in the lower octave. So all together that sounds like this. good to have good deep breathing you don't have to breathe in or out on a downbeat or with the beat just to be relaxed enough to be i'm not sure i mean i'm not really con- i was conscious of it right now because i'm doing it for the camera but i'm when i play 
I, I think I'm more conscious of tension than I am of relaxation. When I'm really relaxed and I'm breathing well, I'm not really conscious of anything at all. Um, I only notice it when I'm like, I start to get tense and things get a little, get a little tight. So something to think about, something to consider your breathing. Uh, again, all 12 keys. Slightly elevated tempo here just to give you a sense of what this sounds like all over the instrument and not make this episode nine hours long. Ah, whoops. Your sitting position and your posture or your standing position, however you choose to practice, is uber important as well. You want to make sure you're as relaxed as possible. This couch I'm sitting on is a little low. And oops, and I do like to have the footstool. I might not actually need the footstool when it's this low. Um, but I do want to kind of balance my hips. The footstool doesn't always help that. Sometimes it's a, the left knee is a little high, you know. If you've seen me play over the over the years, I've definitely transitioned from standing most of the time to sitting all of the time when I play. Um, obviously, if I was playing with a band like the Foo Fighters, I wouldn't be sitting back there. Although on the blog, I did uh, I did share a video of Anthony Jackson playing with Shaka Khan. You can't even see him; like, you literally can't. He's so hidden behind a speaker cabinet or something. But he's sitting down back there while the rest of the band is up. On their, even Michael Brecker is dancing, and that's saying something. There's the Brecker brothers, Steve Ferroni, and Anthony Jackson is way back there, just sitting down and playing all the parts. So it does happen, but it's super rare on a big gig. I think you have to be Anthony Jackson before they'll let you sit down uh, when you play. So that's another one, a chromatic, a chromatic core tone approach exercise. I like that one a lot. Um, uh, and just trying to that was all different each time I did it I'm just trying to make something up right now because that's also what I'll do I'll get totally bored with stuff I've been working on for now 25 30 years or something and just want to come up with something new and of, of course there will also be technical deficiencies that I'll encounter that I haven't before so I'll have to create something new in order to fix that um, sometimes I can go in the, in the, in the bag of, of, uh, of ideas and something will already be there that will work to fix it. But sometimes it has to be tailor-made and brand new in order to fix, uh, a deficiency in my technique that I'm having. Um, maybe one, two, three, four, five, 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 one, I mean, a major scale in groups of five, not a bad idea. I've actually been playing, um, instead of single notes like that, I've actually been playing. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, what, what is it? One, two, three, is that really nine? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One, two, three, four. Yeah, it's groups of nine. And 
And no matter what you're doing, you can still put any of those little buttons on the end. So that's something I've been doing more recently. I don't know where that came from. Just again, I just started doing it for want of something new in the routine, for want of some change and some variation and to keep it fresh. It's all very well, you know, committing to, and I, I do commit to practicing a lot. It's something I feel good about. It's something I feel really benefits me. I, I've never run into the over-practicing thing, which I know is totally a thing. I've never run into injury, thankfully. I've always I had a great classical guitar teacher very early on who taught me how to practice, taught me the importance of great technique, posture, and, and all of those things, and economy of movement and you know, good use of... Uh, just you know like the the bend in the fingers and just just beautiful technique basically he taught me that a very long time ago over well over 30 years ago i started studying with him and um so i've always loved to practice and always been fortunate enough to practice well to have like a good structure to my routine so i, I it, it is all very well saying you're going to commit to it um but boredom can strike <laughs> if you're committing to it, and, but you're not including variation there. I think that's really important. Like, don't just commit to it and be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go da, 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 and do all these things that Yannick said or this person said or, you know, whatever. It, it's, it really needs to be tailored to your individual mood, to your requirements, to your goals. You know, you literally cannot do my exact practice routine and get what you ultimately need out of it. You get something out of it. I don't, you know, don't get me wrong. That's why I've written all these books here. They all contain this kind of stuff. But uh, you really have to think about yourself and prioritize your musical needs over anything else. Don't just do it because somebody told you to. The only thing I'll say to do because I told you to, or hopefully other people, the teachers you have, people around you, good friends and stuff tell you to do, is to do it for you. You know, practice with great intent and do it for you. Like, find out what makes you happy. Find out your reasons for doing it and go after that. It's the only thing I think you kind of have to do if you want to be happy um, playing and if you want to have kind of a long, whether you're an amateur or weekend warrior or, <clears throat> you know, super top-level pro, no matter what, you, where you, f you know, where, no matter where you land on that scale, um, I, I, I would imagine you want to be happy doing it. So, that's something. And it's something I don't get right all the time at all. I don't want to sit here like I am the answer or I have found the way. There's no way. I'm not, I'm nowhere near Mandalorian status here. There is no, this is the way. Um, there is a lot of, this might be the way. Let's find out. You know, and that, I mean, that makes it interesting as well. This might be the way. So as soon as I say, oh, this might be it, it gives me like a, such a long road to go down because um, I know I'll give myself a chance down that road to find out. I'm not just going to take two steps down and be like, nah, fuck this. This isn't it. You know, even if in my heart of hearts, I perhaps know it isn't it early on in some particular direction I'm going after. I still want to try. Um, so it does give me a lot to work on to kind of never run out which is great. The feeling of, I, I, I've never had it, so I wouldn't know, but I can imagine it must be not a lot of fun when you go like, well, what do I work on now? What do I do next? There's no such thing as what do I, there's no such thing, there's definitely what do I work on next because the list of things to work on is so long, but there's never been a, a case of like, I don't know what to work on next. Um, 
because just picking up the instrument every day tells me I, <laughs> I got a lot of work to do in a lot of areas. Um, so let's see if we can get another couple of these ideas here. What do I work on quite a bit? Well, this, I quite often use this idea, this 2-5 shape that I got from Michael Brecker, which I'm sure he got from, I don't know, Sonny Rollins, maybe Train. Clifford Brown, Lee Morgan could have been anyone that was a very standard outlining of a 2-5. I believe this is in this white book here, the um which one? Oh yeah, this one. Uh wow, jazz vocabulary for electric bass 251. <laughs> Christ. It's been a few years now. I have to remember um remember which thing is in which book. I need like a list up on the wall, like, oh yeah, that is in there and this one's in there so I can actually tell you guys the right information. But this one is in the 251 book, kind of makes sense. It's a 2-5 shape. And I sometimes use this in the middle of the instrument. I play a five-string bass, so I use it in the middle uh, string set, uh, strings two, three, and four, and I leave one and five out and just play it in the, you know, the meat and potatoes of the instrument, of the range of the instrument, up and down just to see where I'm at is kind of a little test like where's where is there going to be a mistake where's there a deficiency <clears throat> is it in the shape itself is it in the coordination between the right and the left hand is it in a certain area of the instrument like I like my action super high and when you get up this high in the instrument and in register it's pretty challenging strings are definitely off the fingerboard in a big way up here so so far so good actually i mean i'm talking to you guys so i'm not paying a thousand percent attention on it but so far there's been no hitch and i'll do this obviously not talking to anyone for a couple of minutes and i'll change string sets i'll go up to top string there's the lead let's see if we get any hiccups so just plunging the waters and seeing what seeing what I dredge up and then bottom string set and by string set I mean groups of strings sorry I don't want to leave anyone out here if you don't know what that term means <coughs> so you can group them I guess most commonly in three here when I'm doing something like this that covers <coughs> that covers three strings so top three, middle three, bottom three would be three different string sets. That's what I mean when I refer to them. And so far, so good here. So if we're like A minor to D7, for instance, just to show you the shape, it's the five, the minor third, the one, the flat seven on the A minor seven. And then we go to D7 and we go three, five, flat seven, nine. And I'm moving in half steps here. Sometimes I'm moving whole steps. Minor thirds. Okay, everything seems pretty good. I, I wish I'd had more mistakes in this episode in terms of um, being able to really break down um, how I, you know, having something come up in real time. <coughs> wow, throat's giving out a little bit here. Having something come up in real time and showing you how I target that. But 
there's like four or five things that could easily populate your warm-up, your practice routine. Like I said, I spend sometimes an hour on one of those things, and then sometimes it's five minutes, you know, and I spend 30 seconds on each of them and every combination in between. So just remember you have options, and five minutes will get a lot done. I think at a medium tempo, you can get through most of those ideas literally in two minutes. So if you have 20 minutes, for instance, you could get through 10 ideas, 10 exercises uh, in all 12 keys. And that's huge. That will, over time, if you do it consistently, at least in my experience, that's what, you know, I, I, my time has been more limited being on dad duty and family stuff and, you know, maybe on the road and I don't have time to practice or I'm in the van or the bus or on the plane or whatever it is and can only grab my instrument for a few minutes at a time. That has really been the foundation of keeping things consistent. And consistency means confidence. Consistency means stamina. Consistency means the sort of open-mindedness to be able to react to kind of anything that's going on around you. And the more I have done that over the years, the better all of those things, all of those aspects of my musical life have gotten. And most importantly, at at the very top of the pile, I have more fun doing what I do. When I step out on stage, it's with a big smile and with with an open mind to go searching for, you know, what's coming next. Because I kind of really never know. It's very much an unknown quantity when it comes to stepping on the stage. And I love that especially when I get to play my own music and it's very improvised, even with Steve Smith and Vital Information, we have repertoire, but we kind of go for it. You never quite know what's going to happen each night. <clears throat> could be a tempo thing, could be a playing free, uh, you know, free over the form, perhaps. All kinds, of, all kinds of directions we can go in. But doing all this work allows me to do that way more successfully and have 10 times the fun. So, okay, that was it. A little bit of a shorter one today. Again, it's a pre-record. I'm out on the road with Steve. Hopefully, I've seen some of you at these shows. Um, I'm thinking, let's see if this actually happens. I'm thinking about doing, because I changed my strings so much. I got this idea from Bob Reynolds. He was um, he was doing a, a new merch idea, which I guess the snarky merch girl gave to him and she's like what have you got here you got this reed that you're not going to use and there are fans out there sign the reed and we'll put it in a bag and we'll we'll sell it as a little memento of the show every night so i might do that with the strings and my strings get changed so often there's probably actually some life left in them so maybe i'll keep the boxes and the little wallets and the set of strings and after the show every night i'll be able to come out and sign a set and uh and and you can have that as a little a little, uh, I don't know, souvenir of the show or something. And maybe it's actually of some use to you as well. So let's see. Let's see how that develops. All right. Love you guys. Thanks for watching. Catch you on the next one somewhere else on the East Coast in the middle of this Steve Smith tour. All right. Later. (laughs) 